everybody. Welcome back to Running Into the Fog with the Johnson Brothers. Eric, welcome. Always great to uh, jam on these podcasts with you. How are you today? Morning, little brother. How are you doing? Doing good. Special guest with us today um, here as we record episode number 30 and expect this podcast to go live around the 29th of March, 2022. Uh, it's a little bit less odd for me to say that new year. Uh, we have a nice runway to these uh, recordings to podcast releases going on right now folks so um you know if we don't get quite right some of the projections around what's happening four plus months from now show us a little grace that's what we ask and uh, we'll be in good shape so mr bill baker a uh, good, good buddy of mine uh, through some church circles and developed a personal friendship bill is with us today bill thanks so much for uh, joining the johnson brothers on running into the fog how are you yeah it was my pleasure i've listened to uh Quite a few of your uh, podcasts and uh, got got uh, mildly addicted because uh, <laughs> uh, you know I, I so it's it's my honor and pleasure to participate just because I think you guys really put some topics out there and then guests that uh, kind of inspire thought. That's our hope, right, Eric? Awesome, and I've been really looking forward to this one, Bill, because we've got some background in common, and uh, can't wait to see what we talk about today. So. Derek, kick us off. All right on, right on. So uh, let's talk about a little bit of that background. And Bill, I'm going to ask you in a second to kind of give us the lay of the land on where where Bill came from, what you've done, you know, kind of where you're where you're going now, and then we'll get into uh, a couple of key themes that we'll jam on today. But you and I got to know each other through our affiliation with the Presbyterian Church out here in Wanakee, where I live, and you're you're just north of me. You know, we sat on the session together. We developed this friendship. I think we think a lot alike. Um, you know, from the standpoint of business and kind of uh, mindset and uh, stewardship and uh, all sorts of other themes, right? So, you know, look forward to, to getting into a lot of those different areas with you today. But take us through the story of Bill Baker. You know, where'd you grow up? You know, what'd you do uh, after high school? You know, it's going to lead into a, a really cool um, sort of shared interest that you and Brother Eric have, I think. Oh, well, super. Thank you. I'll try to do it in 33 seconds, give you my life story without pictures here. Uh, I grew up in the Madison area and uh, ended up going to the University of uh, Wisconsin-Madison and uh, was uncertain. I went into pre-business and all of that. Uh, but uh, kind of a standout for me was when I, uh, in the registration line, I decided to uh, go tap on the shoulder of the uh, the varsity crew coach, uh, the rowing the rowing team for Wisconsin, which during those years was you know one of the top five schools in the country, and uh, he said, "Sure, here's a meeting. Come." They used to pick them out of lines, you know, the big guys. You know, I'm six one and was one seventy five, and so I was a smaller guy. But it's interesting. I you know I start out about my career and my you know, my foundation right at college. You know, I went to school to get an advanced education. And uh, also the emotional maturity, but the rowing I, I did, and I have no idea why I went to sign up for rowing. I, I played soccer in school. I was in team sports. And for some reason, I, 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 to this day, 37 years later, I can't think why. Well, I showed up for the freshman meeting and the freshman coach looked at me and he said, well, you're kind of small. You want to be the manager? And that's all it pretty much took for me. And, uh, 
you know, long, you want to be the manager. That's classic. Long story short, uh, I was, uh, by the time I graduated, uh, I don't mean to blow my own horn, but you gave me an opportunity. Uh, I was uh, captain of the team. Uh, I won the Norm Sanji Award and I won an NCAA national championship in a pair. Uh, and, and I got an education. <laughs> uh, so, right uh, so crew, crew and rowing was a big part. And, and it was because of the self-discipline and the mindset that uh, rowing teaches you. Uh, and uh, as well as mixing that with my discipline in school, I think it really helped keep me in school. And I think the message that I like to send out because I work with a lot of youth today uh, and trying to mentor youth is that, um, you know, what, what's your purpose? And, and, and crew gave me a purpose to be in school. And so I tried to excel at both. I did well at crew. I did okay at school. Uh, and, uh, so that was really my foundation that, uh, prepared me for life. Uh, but, uh, like I said to the youth today, once I got out of school, it was all a part of continuing to learn. Now you got to get your PhD in life. So jumping, you know, I know I'm past the 32 seconds here, but jumping into, I got into sales and uh, selling technology uh, with a, an agricultural degree, soil science degree, soil and water conservation. I was supposed to be a golf course superintendent. I did that for one year, uh, but I really wanted, I wanted to challenge myself more. I said, there, I, I want to throw myself into something I've never done before. And so I got into sales and technology sales and over the last uh, 37 years I've been in and before I retired and sold my business, I was in technology sales, uh, both in the, in the broadcast banking industry, then the broadcast industry is where I spent the majority of my career in the uh, newsroom automation side, everything that goes on that automates the, the newsroom. And then I moved into, uh, uh, managing and owning and, uh, a weather company, which was Weather Central, which was the uh, number one software that when you watch TV, all the graphics and data coming over your set all around the world. Um, and that was really where I, I got my PhD in we'll call leadership, management, um, people. Uh, uh, and I got to, I traveled all over the world and, uh, and we ended up selling our company to the Weather Channel. Uh, my partner and I, Terry Kelly, who was the founder, and uh, he was aging, and I bought into the company and, and ran it as the president, and then set it up for a sale. And that was all about creating a value for the company to set it up for sale. And uh, then I retired, and since then I've been doing a little consulting with a couple other companies that were startup to help them bring their value into the market and present their value and their purpose to the market. And uh, as of today, I do a little bit of that uh, online and, and Zoom calls, uh, which we're all so used to. Uh, but uh, the majority of what I'm doing is, besides those calls, is I've created a new little business that's woodworking. And I make furniture because uh, my father taught that, me that. He passed away a few years ago. And so I started uh, Wisconsin Timber Works. And uh, I make harvest tables, lord's tables, uh, mantles, beams, etc. And uh, absolutely love it. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Eric, you were on the UW crew team way back when. I think of maybe a little bit of time after Bill came through that program. What do you, what do you have to say about uh, Bill's characterization of what that did uh, for him, you know, as a sort of uh, high school or moving through uh, young adulthood? 
Yeah, well, Bill, it's fascinating. And, you know, I really uh, appreciate your introduction there. I didn't know all that about you, you know, before we hopped on here, as Derek might have. So, you know, thank you for that. And definitely, you know, agree on uh, the role of rowing, I think, in growing up, uh, and particularly for a college age, you know, late teens, early 20s kid who wasn't very disciplined. I'm speaking about myself here, not you, by the way, uh, Bill, but um, tell me if you identify with this. Wasn't very disciplined. I wasn't very athletic uh, at all. I wasn't really into sports uh, or working out or any of that stuff, which is probably, you know, not what most of the rowers who get recruited out of the registration line as it used to be. Uh, It was my like junior year when they switched over to telephone registration. So they didn't have those reg lines to, you know, cherry pick the tall guys out of anymore. Uh, but uh, I rode my first freshman year was 88, 89. And we were just talking about a, a guy that I think you used to know named Dan Gain, who was the freshman coach uh, my first year of rowing. And in fact, I'll share the story that it's because of Dan this little boy became a man, so to speak. And that's not as weird as that sounds because uh my my boat, one of the guys was missing uh, one evening and we were out doing a, a exercise that was um, basically a relay uh, race, 2,000 meters, I think it was. And we each took 500 meters and then you'd swap out the, for the next guy. And so one of our guys was missing and I was, uh, I was the anchor of one of the fours. And then Dan ended up filling in as the anchor of the other one. Now, Dan, I think tried out for the Olympic team. I think he was on the national team at one point. So, I mean, he, he was a little out of his prime probably, but it, you know, he could still kick butt on an erg. And so we did this 2000 meter relay and our team was behind after the third guy rolled off and Dan got on a split second before I did. And I hopped on and um, I became a man in the next minute and 27 seconds or so uh, as we ended uh, first. And so we got to 2000 meters before the other team did. And I I say that that was a benchmark for me because it, it helped me to realize where my limits were. And I think that is a big, big theme, you know, with running into the fog and and all the stuff that we're trying to do here with our guests on the podcast. Then I'll shut up and let you respond, Bill. But the notion that you have a limit, you have a threshold. And until you reach that threshold, find it, explore it, break it a little bit, and then expand it, ideally. That's really what teaches you how to live, ultimately, and how um, how to push yourself farther than you thought you could ever go. So I'll leave it with that. Well, I, you summarized it well. I, I, rowing is, everybody looks at rowing as a team sport. You know, there's a lot of people use a lot of analogies about, uh, you know, each person's on their oar and you got to pull together. And, you know, the book, The Amateurs, is pretty good. But I will tell you, rowing is both an individual and a team sport. And individual, to your point, in that, each individual, you don't, you kind of learn it in your freshman year, but you really start to learn it as you get further on in, in the team. Uh, but if you don't realize early that you have to go past your limits, as you stated, Eric, uh, and find out what more you have inside you. Mm. I used to summarize it. The easiest way to summarize it for people who've not rode before is and, and not experienced it. And it's called hitting the wall. We've all heard that. Well, you can't, you can't just hit the wall. You have to go beyond the wall, and it's how much you got beyond the wall. And it's called going from anaerobic, or going from aerobic, which is I'm breathing normal oxygen, 
to going to anaerobic and that's when you win. Yeah. So you have to train. The training is the hardest. The races are the easiest yeah. <laughs> because you've got to train past your limit. You've got to find the wall and go beyond it. Once you've done that personally, then as you described, we swap people out. We were swapping people in and out of the two seat, the four seat, the stroke seat to find out which eight or which four guys or gals could uh, make that boat swing as one. Right. So it's a combination of an individual sport of finding those limits. And, you know, that, that was really, as you point out, the foundation to my business success and what I was able to talk about or not talk about, but lead in that way to help others find where their limits are uh, or where they thought they were. Right. Yeah. Really important. And, you know, I, I used to call it, and maybe you guys did too, we used to call it the ammonia bubble. Uh, when that smell of ammonia, uh, you know, sort of emerges, you know, you're, uh, you're pushing yourself and maybe pushing yourself a little too hard uh, at, at, in some cases. But there is, uh, I think, a ton of lessons in there. And I think as you mature as an individual athlete, you realize, boy, it's not just about me and and all these other losers who are going to make me lose. I remember early on as a rower, it was it was up to me to find my limits and then to make sure that these other losers in the boat basically didn't catch a crab and I end up with a bore in the middle of my spine and we end up coming in fourth or something. Uh, and and so that that attitude changed over time as I became a little more mature too. Yeah, you bring up a really critical point there is that once you get in the boat, if it's a four or an eight or a two, which I won nationals, you can't, at first, you, you know, you're, you're thinking, I'm going to do my best. And then that the three seat catches the crab, the oar goes in the water for people and, and tries to almost flip the boat. You can't criticize that person uh, because you have, you have, you, you're all in it together. The fast boats are the individuals in the boats that help each other swing in that boat together. And uh, if somebody's a little bit off, a little too fast in their slide, a little too quick at their catch, or they're missing their catch, your job is not to bitch at them, excuse me, but we did, we yelled, but we all got together and we helped each other. And that's why my friends today, I can't tell you how many weddings I've stood up for, we're all ex-oarsmen. They're unique people. Uh, we used to, I, with all due respect, uh, it's kind of like a special forces community, but not even imaginable about what that team is like. Uh, I have the highest respect for that. Crew gives you that sense of brotherly bonding or sisterly mm -hmm. bonding for the women's team. No, I doubt. think you have you you have a daughter and maybe a son that also did some crew time uh, in Wisconsin. Is that right, Bill? Yeah, my daughter rode uh, on the freshman team, and then. Uh, she, 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 long story short, she, I think she was doing it more because dad was, and dad was a pretty big, uh, pretty, pretty involved both on the team, pretty well known. And, uh, and then part of the alumni helping build a new boathouse. I was the, I had, I headed up the fundraiser for that. And wow. so after she got done for a year, she was, I heard her talking to her mom and feel, I don't want to let dad down. And I walked into her room and I said, Hey, and that really moves into, you know, finding your purpose. And it was my daughter, Hannah. And I said to her, I said, look, you're not doing this for me. You're finding your purpose and your joy and your satisfaction and do whatever you want. And, and she dedicated more of her time to school and some of the volunteer organizations. So 
Yeah. But you got a sense, you got a taste of it. That's a huge, huge lesson, though, too. We were just talking about it this morning uh, with my daughter as we were taking her to, to, to middle school, uh, Zoe, who is, boy, I better get this right, 13, I think. <laughs> um, and she, um, last year, after about four or five years of playing the trumpet, decided she didn't want to play trumpet anymore. And we asked her, so, uh, are you sure? You know, you, you've kind of spent a lot of time with that instrument. And she said, I just really don't like it. I don't want to. And we said, do you want to switch to something else? I don't really want to be in band anymore. And we said, choir? And she's like, no. Okay, fine. You know, and that I think equipping our children with the freedom to quit things is an underrated parenting skill, especially today when we have kids who are scheduled up the wazoo, they've got basically no time to themselves and they are moving from It's a little down us there. Sorry if I'm breaking up. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll leave it there. I don't know if you guys got all that or not. Can you, if you can broke up a little bit on me, but that might have been my connection. Yeah, you just still got you, Bill. Eric, you out there? I'm still with you, gentlemen. I might be a little bit frozen, but we'll we'll assume your your connection will come back. You know, I think that that kind of carrying on Eric's point, you know, with regards to that, it's hard as parents to say, well, we might have a certain sort of frame that we think our kids might fit into, but they're individuals, you know, to kind of the, 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 the team sport versus individualism of any sport that you were talking about, Bill, is I would imagine my kids are a little too young for me to totally be experiencing this quite yet. But, you know, it's, uh, I imagine when, especially my youngest, who I already have certain maybe uh, things that I hope that Rocky might uh, enjoy or, or whatever. I'm having to set those preferences aside, you know, assuming he makes good choices, right? And I, and I think that that, from a mindset point of view, you know, uh, don't do it for dad. Uh, when Hannah listens to this uh, podcast in late March, and maybe we'll tag her uh, as we share it on social platforms like LinkedIn and get her friends listening to it. It's a, it's a mindset thing, and especially with our young people these days, um, you know, the effects of the pandemic, the coming out of that and getting into, uh, you know, whether it be continued education or starts of their professional journeys in, in business or otherwise, yeah, that can be kind of a tricky time as parents to help them navigate. How have you, Bill, successfully done that with your kids? Well, I, I, I actually even take the leap. I think this is a very great subject. Uh, and I'll talk about kids, but I'll also talk, I'll, I'll mention you know, I, I, I am pseudo retired. Well, I'm not. And I've got a lot of people at my age that are thinking about retiring. And it's not about what's retiring. And Eric brought this up. It's about what's next. So if it's not about playing the tuba or the violin or the piano, it's what's next. And, you know, so as we move it, look at children or we look at, you know, our kids or our youth in our country today or our employees. Uh, and I've had, you know, a, a lot of employees. I've managed a lot of different sales organizations, and I managed a whole company. Uh, I'll tell you already. I mean, for kids, and this is why Derek, you and I got connected about youth. 
this is very important to me. My wife and I spend a lot of time uh, with youth organizations and trying to develop youth. I'll tell you the secret to happiness in the world. If anybody wants to know it, it's right here. I'll tell it to you right now. And it's, it's you know, find your purpose. You are, every human being is made on purpose for a purpose. Seek it. And Derek, you know, I had coffee mugs made up on that. I give them out to middle schoolers and I give it out to high school graduates constantly. I have a huge box in the corner of my office and I have a little note on that. And it's you're made on purpose for a purpose. If you seek that purpose, you will find your happiness. And if it's if it, when you're retiring or if it's when you're going from piano to sports or you want to quit sports, uh, it's that's what it's all about. And uh, uh, I watch that. And, and once kids start to believe uh, and our and employees, once they start to believe that they have a unique purpose, some people need help finding that. Our job as leaders, as managers, is to help them find that inside the company and that's aligned with the company value propositions, or it's our youth that it's aligned with society. And I think that we could talk for, I would love to talk for hours on this subject, especially today, and where and as the world evolves here and somewhat comes more divisive and division in the world. Whereas if we come together and each person is seeking their purpose in life, and what their value proposition is they can provide while their time on earth here. That's it. And I think it's our job as adults. And I, I'd like, and that's why I appreciate this, this opportunity to share my thoughts with you. Because if this message can get out and people, we touch one, two, ten, that start to say to themselves, hmm, I am valued. What is my purpose? Especially when, you know, I've had kids going out into the work world and helping them with resumes uh, and help veterans with resumes. And they think, well, I'm just, I just have these standard qualities. No, let's really dig deep and find out what your value proposition is to society, to that employer, to that job. So uh, you got me going on that one, Eric and, and, and Derek. Yep. My Zoom just failed. I think I'm we're back. I'm with you. We're back. Um, we'll get our podcast partner to cut out a little bit of that. Okay, but good, some, good editors. Hey, you know what? <laughs> right. Sometimes fog even happens on technology platforms like Zoom. So it might be worthwhile to not cut it out. Um, <laughs> anybody that's ever on a Zoom with me and those of our listeners that are ingesting this podcast audio only won't see this, but I'm a big mindset guy. Got my boy Kobe Bryant, you know, the mama mentality behind me. I've referenced that many times on this podcast. And it's, it's uh, essentially boils down to being uh, in pursuit of a constant sort of evolution to be the best version of oneself. And I think that speaks, Bill, to, to also maybe what you're driving at here, seeking your purpose. A lot of the people that may listen to this podcast in late March of 22, you know, may not be necessarily feeling like their purpose is being leveraged. And, you know, they may need a mindset reset, if you will, to say, how do I maybe think about either getting out of what I've been stuck in and going to what truly is my purpose, what where my skills, my talents, my interests really reside, right? Or they might say, hey, you know, I've been kind of cruising along. I haven't been testing my limits like rowers might. I haven't been doing those things that 
that maybe get me to that next next level uh, performance. What do you guys say about that? You know, from the standpoint of mindset, sort of uh, being more important sometimes than capability. I, I think it starts with the mindset, and uh, you know, there's a difference between you know activity and productivity. You know, you can think about it and spend time spinning your wheels. And I think as we see today, uh, uh, you know, the job workforce, there's a lot of people changing due to COVID and people rethinking um, the way business is conducted, uh, the way people communicate, people, the fellowship today is so much different, less or in a different form. Uh, and I think people are rethinking their, their, I hope people are rethinking their productivity and we build, we build momentum to people re reinserting themselves into uh, if it's the work world, it's the volunteerism, uh, if it's into charitable giving, all those things are, I think, over the last uh, many months uh, and what COVID has provided, that has done here, has created some doubt in people. And I, I pray that people find their, readjust and find that purpose. And uh, you can't do it through, uh, you can't, if you look at kids, we were talking about kids because kids are our future. It's you know understatement. Um, adults have made their choices. And adults still can learn this lesson. Uh, you know, I'm learning something new every day. I tell my kids, I mean, once you get out of school, never stop learning. But you can't motivate people. You have to inspire people. Motivation is an internal emotion. Insp inspiration is an external emotion. And we need to inspire more people. I think, you know, Mike Rowe, you know, with the tech workforce, I just love listening to his, his comments because he's about inspiring people to find a trade and be involved and be a contributor. And uh, that's what you're, we're talking about here. And, and then get motivated behind it. But you have to inspire individuals to find their own motivation. And that goes back into the whole rowing scenario is why, what's your why? Why are you doing it? Why do you want to go there? And if you really talk that through and if people really ask that question, um, if it's just in your life uh, choices or if it's in choices in, in, in one's business, I, I know I've asked that a lot of to my employees. And uh, it does come down to a couple of things. Uh, there's two emotions that I've always uh, I've managed to, uh, I've uh, coached to. And those two emotions that people have in life is hope and fear. And for the majority, I've kind of come to the conclusion over these many years that people make decisions on those two emotions. And you can use those as positive emotions to help people navigate their, their purpose. Really well said, Bill. And by the way, apologies for my uh, flapping internet here. I've come on from a secondary device, so hopefully... Uh, you guys can hear me and see me and, and stuff. Yeah, I, I think you, boy, you said a lot there. And I think um, one of my sort of hobbies the last, during the pandemic actually has been somewhat ironically neurochemistry uh, and the notion that we produce cortisol uh, as a result of that fear response. And then there's only one way to overcome the cortisol response. And that's the production of serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and uh, endorphin, I think. Uh, the four sort of more positive uh, hormones that 
help us to get get the cortisol out of our system, the stress out of our system, so that we can restore equilibrium and homeostasis and a feeling of well-being. Most people, however, turn to food or alcohol or and other distractions, uh, media, social media, I think is a great example of, of another one of those modern innovations that allow us to be distracted. And now as virtual reality becomes a place where we can dispel our cortisol, I think we have a, an even bleaker uh, you know, future to look forward to in many ways as a result of dependencies there. So to your point, Bill, I think the missing link is the ability for young people to learn how to control those emotions of hope and fear. Uh, and to maintain hope in the face of fear, to realize that their lives have a limit, a series of limits leading to an ultimate limit, which is the end of their life, and then helping them to find some sort of true north, whether that's a belief as I think we three might share in Jesus, uh, or a belief in some purpose or, or meaning to their lives, that goes beyond and is bigger than their own immediate gratification. Now, obviously, you know, that's that's my sort of response to what you had to say there, Bill. But I think that's a big part of what it means to be a society and a civilization is that our civilization is currently lacking the ability to equip young people with those tools to manage their own emotions. And ultimately, as the rowing team taught both of us, to push through the emotions that might stop us and to figure out how to run our own lives, you know, and not let someone else run it for us. But you may or may not realize I'm, I'm married to a family physician and what you just said spot on regarding the emotion side of what she's seeing in children over the last year and a half uh, with uh, the different emotional levels caused by, by if it's endorphins or cortisol or whatever, it's a lot less endorphins because people are not getting up and, and going out and, you know, playing in the sandbox. They're, they're playing virtually in a sandbox. And mm -hmm. uh, so you're spot on with those comments. And, you know, I, I, uh, I have a saying that my kids know very, very well. My employees used to repeat, uh, my customers knew it. And it's, uh, what if, how about have you thought of? And uh, I used to say that to everybody. What if how about have you thought of? And I learned that from my father years ago because he'd sit to us when he was managing us in Boy Scouts. He goes, what if we did this this weekend? We'd lean forward and go, gosh, dad's getting us excited and inspired, inspired to go do something. And I put that into my business world and, and, and it got people thinking, what if, how about have we thought of? And I use that my customers too. It's my number one selling tool because people People like to be around creative, inspirational people and uh, positive people. We need, as adults, I think, as leaders, uh, mentors, uh, we need more mentors uh, of our youth to create that positive, creative, challenging, because every human has it. But I think uh, our technology has, uh, has uh, diminished the ability for it to come out. And that's why you know, this what if, how about have you thought of and get people inspired to uh, do something and experience life. And uh, uh, it's just been a big mantra of mine. And 
Um, I just continue to try to share that with people and, and, and when people ask me for advice as well. But you're so right on the, the emotional and physical aspects of society. And, it, and I hope we can, we can turn that. And as leaders, adults from the business world, you know, we're all fathers here. Uh, we need to continue to speak up on this point and, uh, and hook as many as we can to think about that. Right on. Yeah, no doubt about it. The, uh, yeah, I've said this before on this podcast, but I've, if you'd have asked me in 2001, 2002, if I thought that the world of competitive intelligence was my purpose, um, I might have said, you're full of shit. Um, that's my brother's purpose. Uh, but here, as I'm about to migrate from you know, my 19th uh, year here, coming up in March, right around you know, the time this podcast comes out and starting my 20th year here. Um, I actually think it's, it was always my purpose. Uh, not so much the discipline of competitive intelligence, but the purpose was to find a, a fulfilling, rewarding environment that I could put myself in to work with my brother and, you know, uh, drive forward together with a, a mindset and a purpose that that we could go uh, do right by our staff and our partners and our clients and all the above. So you know, all that resonates really, really well. Uh, do we run the business sometimes on hope and fear? You bet we do. And, you know, there's uh, no greater uh, inspiration and motivation than uh, those two emotions. And, you know, I think that sometimes, you know, you don't want the fear to come out as true fear, but you want it to come out as determination. And, you know, just as uh, maybe you were a little bit worried about how you might perform, Eric, against that, that crew coach in that boat, you know, I would imagine you took a certain amount of fear and you put it to work in way of determination. And that then is part of mindset. And it, it kind of speaks to all the above. And I hope that the young people listening to this podcast, when it does go live, really take that to heart. Um, you know, there's people, maybe a little uh, play in the back nine of our careers, if you will. Um, you know, Bill, you've reinvented it. It's a what's next type of question, right? Um, you know, young people today need more mentors than they probably ever needed before, just because of the distractions and the sort of uh, consuming ways in which life can throw you some curveballs once in a while. So yeah, I would imagine uh, when I offer you to any of our listeners as somebody that might be a willing mentor uh, to them, I, kind of guess that you're game for that well i think you brought up a really good point and and i'll i'll kind of play back what you were saying in that i think not only our children but humans uh in society and businesses you're in that business of that competitive intelligence and uh um and winning uh, in business we measure ourselves, people have a tendency to measure themselves by the person standing next to them or the company that they're competing with. And you'll only be as good as they are if you measure yourself. And that goes back to rowing. I mean, you, you're going to be average if you measure yourself. And society today, you know, young women, young men, um, in our commercialization of the world, you know, it's you're never looking good enough. You're never you need this to be successful. You don't need any of that. Your, your self-worth is, it comes from within. And mm -hmm. people, people, you see it in, in kids in, in middle school and high school, 
it's all about, you know, looking good and everybody having, you know, the best new iPhone because then you're part of the crowd. And we do that as a society. It's a marketing, it's a marketing trick that sells more product, that sells more ideas. And uh, we need to move beyond that and, uh, and stop people focused. And rowing taught me that is you don't measure yourself by the, the, the next guy in the boat. Um, you, you measure yourself about what your capabilities are. You know, guilt, you know, I'll use your, your podcast here. You have to run through your fog of life and, and, and find your clear path. And, uh, and in doing so, then you're a, more, you're a better contributor. And oh, by the way, you'll find greater satisfaction and, and contentment. There's happiness and there's, then there's contentment in life because you're really, you're really feeling good about yourself. And it's the same with companies. They see companies competing with each other and they don't focus on what their unique value proposition is. It's more of a me too. And, yeah. and you help them with that in your company, which, you know, as I, I, I've observed from afar. So true. And, you know, I think that the, the internalization of your ability to be impressed, you know, the way, the way we've kind of raised our kids at least is live to please God and impress yourself. That's it. That's the secret to at least my parenting. That, that's my parenting advice summed up uh, in, you know, two statements. But to that point, you know, one of the things we talk about here at Aurora is finding your highest calling. You know, what is your highest calling in the context of the business and your colleagues and your, the customers you're serving? And, you know, the Latin is summa vocatio. What is your summa vocatio? Uh, that is really your why in the context of your job. And by the way, that doesn't have to be the why of your life. Your magna vocatio, your great calling, your great calling for my children is to please God, your summa vocatio, your highest calling is to impress yourself, at least when you're a child. Uh, and, you know, I think so many people are living lives that they want to impress others with or please others with that uh, if we just let all that go, you know, and just let other people control their own circumstances and we can't control how they feel about us anyway. And, you know, I've really rediscovered the Stoics of antiquity in that, uh, in the sense of really, really digging into control and understanding how power and control works. Um, there, there's a very, very narrow band of control that we as individuals have in our lives. There is a somewhat broader band of control that we can express with the people that we love, the people we share a home with or share a uh, work with or, you know, share our lives with. But ultimately, that control is pretty limited. And we often overlook those things we really do have dominion over because we get so wound up in what other people are going to think. Well, I agree. It's uh, my father taught me years ago, and it sounds selfish, um, but it, you got you have to hear the whole thing. And that is, is you have to take care of yourself first, your self-being. Mm -hmm. To be a parent, you have to be, uh, you know, in good health, in good mind, emotional. And, you know, you carry a lot of stresses uh, in your business, in the world, finances, etc. You got to make sure that's in order first so that you can be a better parent, be a better father, be a better teacher. And that's all in, in the whole circle of, of being a godly person and doing it with faith um, and, and, and prayer. Um, mm. but you have to put yourself, 
you have to make sure yourself you're healthy in in in, in a greater in the in the greaterness of health being healthy emotional and physical to uh to be uh, of self-worth not only to your children but your company your business to your spouse and uh again as i say you wrap that all in in, in faith and uh it, it it gets you through the day by the way, Bill, I got a story to share about my brother and rowing <laughs> because I don't remember what year it was. It was a long time ago. Um, I don't know if you were at Aurora yet, but um, you got yourself a rowing machine uh, back. I don't know what year that was, but you took up rowing, at least off the water, uh, erging really more it accurately. It was, was, it, it was either 02 or 03. Yeah, I've been erging in a while. So, so right around the time you joined the company or a little before, and I remember very vividly going to the midwinter meltdown competition they used to have here in Madison. And I think they did away with it a few years ago. But uh, Derek and I used to row that uh, internal sprint, that 2,000 meter uh, sprint every year. And I remember the first year we rode it together, whatever year that was, um, we walked into some high school on the west side, near west side, I think it was being held at. And uh, we ended up uh, getting on side by side, as I recall, and we rode this 2000 meters and Derek won the doggone thing. Derek, Derek came in first. I think I was second or third or some, somewhere in that, you know, heat. I'm a couple of years older than Derek is. And I think Derek and I were still, we're rowing the open. It was the open and Derek walked on first 2000 meters that he's ever rode and won it. And I said, dang, Derek, how does that make you feel? And then we found out we actually rode the wrong race. So we had to, uh, we found out our actual race that we were rowing was happening like 20 minutes later. So we got our act together, you know, squeezed the, you know, lactic acid out of our legs a little bit and jumped on. And, and I think you won it again, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, Derek, I'm, I'm telling tales out of school on you here a little bit, but oh, that was you, a good memory. Without that, your own rowing experience. That's a, that's a good memory. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have essentially zero. I did do the learn to row class on, Lake uh, Mendota years and years ago, but I, that was a 30 day program. And I really did my, my on the water training is essentially zero, uh, but I've logged hours and hours, like hundreds of hours thousands. on the probably thousands over the course of 18, 19 plus years now on the, the ergometer. And there is nothing that cleanses me uh, mentally, emotionally, or physically like that. Erg. There just isn't. And, you know, it's one of those types of things that I believe you can do, you know, uh, lifelong, you know, as opposed to running marathons, eventually you're going to maybe uh, age out of that a little bit. Um, rowing and on the ergometer, I, again, my opinion uh, is a little bit different. Um, Bill, I want to come back to, for the record on that story you were telling, Eric, you know, I did win the master's group, which I think I was probably a little young for. Uh, but we did come back in the next heat with the uh, right age bracket that I was supposed to be rowing in. And I, I believe I took the gold in that one. So, um, <laughs> yeah, again, I'm not quite as fast as I once was. Bill, I want to come back to something you were saying, you know, kind of jamming on this father's theme. And you, you talked about how your dad exposed you to woodworking, uh, you know, uh, as a kid, I think, is what you're driving at. And now you find yourself in that as the what's next. Um did you uh, kind of always think you'd come back to that, you know, and, and, you know, from the standpoint of maybe he inspired, but you motivated yourself? 
Yeah, it, it was one of those where you you know you start uh, you know helping is watching, uh, and so I have a sign up in my wood shops that you know helping is watching, or watching is helping, and, and uh, people some people have never heard that before and they laugh at that, and I say that about because I have two chocolate labs that go in my shop and I go you know watching is helping, and uh, but I, I I used to you know way back from holding the flashlight for your dad when he was fixing the sink right to let's go in the workshop and build this. And I watched my dad build the dresser for their bedroom or the bed. His wedding gift to us was a beautiful queen size oak bed that he built for us. And uh, so I, I, I got attracted to the thought process around creating something. And as I said earlier, I've been in you know sales for 37 years. So, you know, I'm a salesperson as a positive in my eyes, you know, helping people buy. Uh, not selling things to people, but I always wanted to build something. I wanted to start a company where I built something. And uh, so in my latter years here, by creating this uh, small uh, entity called Wisconsin Timberworks, uh, I'm carrying on the legacy that my dad taught me. And it's two things there. One, he taught me a lot of this, but two is I'm trying to refine it, become better at it in honor of him. You know, it's not just stopping there and knowing that I can build a dresser, but hey, can I do these kind of new kind of box joints that I just saw on the internet? Can I do that? So again, it's going beyond my limit. And what I, you know, the base that I was taught uh, from my father and trying to even do it better. Uh, and so that's really been what's been fun about this. And then I get to share it with people uh, and uh, and see, see their joy. Uh, and I've also brought a couple uh, a couple people into my shop. Uh, our pastor has a, a special needs child, and he he's older now. He's 21, but he's come out and helped me a few times, and you know, give him a few tasks, and you see the smile on their face, experiencing something. And uh, I've got many instances with that. So it's kind of that you know, pass it on. That's and awesome. uh, you know, we talk about it, we say it, we hear it in life, but there's actually getting up and doing it. Uh, I, I, I can, I need to continue to do more of that by no means of, I am, am I the poster child for doing those kind of things, but I just need to keep doing more and more of that. And I think all of us as adults, and that's what our folks taught me. And, uh, that's what I've learned in woodworking. Uh, and it's keeping the mind active. It's my endorphins. I work out every day. Now my, I ergometers weren't around when I, uh, the, the concept twos weren't around when I rode. Uh, that was the last year they came out when I, I left, but, and I bought one and I rode many years with it, but my new, not to be a commercial for Peloton, but every day I'm hammering out a Peloton because as Eric pointed out, I need those endorphins and it changes my whole day. Yep. Two, things, two things change my day, endorphins from working out and prayer. And okay. each day, every day, I get both of those. Uh, I, I am blessed by both of those. So, uh, and, and woodworking to me, there's a blessing in that too. So mm -hmm. thank what you Chris? about that. It's a, something my father, it's just a memory of my father. We talk about privilege a lot in our society, but those are, those I think are three of your specific privileges uh, that I think are just true blessings that uh, we often solve and ignore, you know, and we just don't, uh, we don't either make the time for it or, I'll tell you this, uh, if I can tell if Derek has had his erg workout or not based upon his mood in a business meeting. Uh, and not to say that, you know, 
your owly or anything as mom mom would have said you're acting kind of owly you know, <laughs> like, you might need to go row that off a little bit uh, and occasionally i think you do uh, and you use it as a way to modulate your mood uh just like you know and if you if we really taught our children to understand how to modulate their mood and control their emotions what a world we would live in uh and i and that's i think a big part of what's missing is so many parents never learned how to do it for themselves. And consequentially, you can't teach someone to do something you never learned. Uh, in fact, I don't think you really learn things until you teach it to someone else, uh, ultimately. And so your discipline, Bill, of woodworking is part of your continual exploration of what is the limit. Can I teach this joy to the young man you were talking about, the 21-year-old man you were talking about? Can I teach him the joy of woodworking, frankly, and, and how to derive joy from exploring this craft and art, really? You know, it's even more rewarding equally, and I agree 100%, is as a father of a son who's 26 years old, recently got married. Uh, he's an engineer with, uh, with a company here in the Madison area. And uh, on the side, he's created his own side business called... Uh, a pioneer performance and he puts performance parts on cars hmm. well you know what's so rewarding to me is that i learned that there's a homeless man that he pays he comes by he used to be a body and uh fender guy and he's a homeless guy and he wandered by my son's garage one day and started talking to him and my son welcomes him anytime he wants and pays him 15 dollars an hour to come and help him or talk to him while he's leaning on his car, working on his car after work. Now mm -hmm. that's to your point, you know, saying all the tough times of that comes in the stress of being a parent and are you doing it right? Or are we screwing them up? That's the reward right there to see your, your kids turn around and try to do the same thing. And Nobody's made me cry on this podcast yet, Bill, but you just did it. You found my limit with that one. <laughs> well, well, you know what? I got goosebumps as you said that, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, Derek's heard this. I've called it, uh, I call it God bumps, you know. Yeah. And just to to see that happen, it's uh, um, it's very, very special to me. Uh, and I, I hope I hope every parent uh, aspires and can see that themselves uh, and feel it's it, it feel that. It, and it's not about bragging about it. It's about feeling that. And going back to what we originally talked about in that is, what's your purpose while you're here on earth? It's a short time. And did you contribute? And we need that more than ever uh, with people uh, sharing with you. It's not about our differences. It's about how we can inspire each other. That's right. Wow. I think we better leave it there, Bill. I don't have to add. Uh, and Derek, Derek will tell you when I say no suggestions, that means it's pretty good. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, Eric, you know, we, we allow ourselves, uh, some vulnerability in this podcast. And I love that you just demonstrated that based on something that Bill shared about his kid. Um, and Bill, I hope that when this goes live on social platforms like LinkedIn, you know, for business for the world, you know, uh, people that want to be inspired. Uh, that we remember to always uh, tag your kids, you know, who might have a chance to put their eyes on it, right? 
share it with their networks. Tears of, tears of joy are a great privilege too. That's, That's right. Man, underrated. The seeking your purpose, uh, activity versus productivity. I've taken a ton of notes. You know, what's your true north? Managing your emotions, hope and fear, principally among them. Uh, running through that fog, seeking happiness and contentment. Um, can't motivate. You need to inspire. You know, where do you hit the wall? I could keep going on and on and on, but um, your three-part statement, Bill, I'm going to leave our listeners with that. What if, how about, have you thought of? I think that those three um, statements together are among the most inspiring things I've heard on this podcast yet. And thank you for coming on the podcast here today and sharing that. Right on. Thank you, Bill. Well, thank thank you. And, and thank you for uh, uh, the time and allowing me to talk about this, the little bit of stuff that I've learned in the world and, and, uh, and excited to learn more. And uh, it's been a real pleasure. And I'll, as I said, I'm addicted to your podcast because of the focus that you two have on uh, drawing out people's life experiences and sharing it with more people. So thank you very much. Right on. Thanks, Bill. Tell us, uh, tell our listeners how they can connect with you out there. Is there an easy way to find you, uh, reach out to you if they have questions about this? I'd love to talk to anybody, especially our youth out there. And uh, you can you can email me at wrbaker5, the number, at gmail.com, or you can go to my website uh, because you can email me from my website, which is, and it's not a promotion of my business, but it's wisconsintimberworks.com, wisconsintimberworks.com. And you can email me direct there too uh, through the through the contact page. And Again, it's not about woodworking. It's, it's not about rowing. It, it, it's, it's about what your purpose is in life and, and helping others find it. And if we can help that, uh, it's going to be a better world for all. And I thank you guys for helping inspire that thought process. Right on. Take us home, Eric. Derek, Derek, always a pleasure, as you know, uh, to do these. And number 30 has been a very special one, Bill. And so uh, like I tell all other believers who I happen to have you know conversations with, I'll see you at the resurrection, brother, if not before. And I hope it's a lot sooner than that. I hope to meet you in person someday soon, Bill. God bless you both. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Running Under the Fog. See you next time.